What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode. You were about to interrupt me. I, did, I like didn't. dot 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 of the the most, I would say, creative and impressive podcast name out there, the Kansas City Underground Podcast. So, what's up, y'all? Nailed it. Thank That's you. Like such Thank a, you. Such a good intro. For I feel it. like a lot of today is I'm just gonna sit back and like listen and learn, listen and nod and be all oh, yeah because we're here with our brother Jason Gardner. Jason Gardner, welcome, Jason. It's good to be here. Yeah. All right. So, quick little setup, little context. Um, there's there's two sides of this context. One, we've been in a podcast series where um, we we're looking at nuggets of disciple making, and we're hitting pause on that because we're going to do a spotlight interview. So, spotlight interviews are where we uh, talk to a missionary in Kansas City, disciple maker within the city. Mostly, sometimes it's outside the city. And we need a, a, like a spotlight, just like music. We sh- we have insert. these like lights above you. We should like point we one of those. Literally, be under a spotlight. But like when oh, we yeah. say spotlight, be like spotlight. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, All right. I would like that. Okay. <laughs> so That's we have I'm... um we're we're interviewing Jason as a a spotlight spotlight episode. Um, in light of some of these nuggets of disciple making, which we're going to point out as we talk through the podcast and some others that we'll have to go back and record because we've only done two of those so right. far. There's only two nuggets, actually, yeah. of disciple making. Um, it's not even a 10-piece. <laughs> but also, <laughs> this is a three dads in the room. We all thought that was like, amazing. Uh, good one. I like it. Sorry. <laughs> last, last night. Kristen was going upstairs, and she hollered down to me and said, hey, can you bring the charger in the top drawer of the shoe cabinet? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely bringing the top drawer of the shoe cabinet upstairs. <laughs> so I walked upstairs, and I hold the shoe cabinet drawer. She's like, what are you doing? I said, you said bring the charger in the top drawer of the shoe cabinet. <laughs> She's so I just want to know, when you did that, did you think to yourself, I'm going to share this story on a podcast? No, okay. I just did it because I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I want to affirm that. All right, keep going. Two I, sides. I did it not thinking I would get to tell anybody else about <laughs> it. All right, so um, we, we've had these nuggets of disciple making, but today's spotlight episode because, I don't know, it's probably like three, four weeks ago, sitting in a garage on Thursday night with a bunch of guys like, like we do. And we're telling stories, and Jason is sharing like an in real time thing that's happening, disciple making in Kansas City. And it was like, okay, we have to tell the story. Um, which, you know, this is like where you pull back out of the episode for a minute and you go, we'd like to be very careful about storytelling mm-hmm. because these are real people. Right. And our stories are our treasure, they're important, they're a thing that we can give to people, but we shouldn't give other people's stories away. Like that Wham song where he gave his, sorry. <laughs> gave his heart away. We have this conversation every Christmas, and Brian hates that song. And because you just... can't give somebody else's heart away for them, that's not anyway. So the point is, um, we're we're gonna stay super general because this story's still going on, and yeah, we just like to be careful. But there's just very beautiful things that are happening. So enough from us. Here we go, Jason Gardner. So glad you're here. Jason, give us a backstory. Like, where are you from? What shaped you? Go all the way back to the Mormon days. All Didn't right. know that, did you? Yeah. Actually, I think I did. Oh, did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Nice. Day. Yeah, I was raised on the West Coast and uh, was raised in a backslidden Mormon family, if mm. that's theologically yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that was my experience with uh, with church and everything. And then uh, my parents went through a pretty tragic divorce. And then... Um, 
we had moved to Southern Cal to a little place called Bakersfield, California. And in Bakersfield, hooked up with some new peeps, and uh, this one guy was interesting. And his mom owned a pet cemetery. And, of course, Stephen King's book was out. Mm -hmm. So it was like, whoa. Uh, Of course, (laughs) I was into drugs and partying, and it was the 80s, and I had a mullet, which was very special. Yeah, I can picture all of that right now. Exactly, with flannel and an Iron Maiden Eddie shirt, and it was pretty special. (laughs) And uh, so we were uh, partying at the Pet Cemetery, doing Dungeons and Dragons, taking acid, doing all this kind of stuff. And my buddy said, hey, have you ever heard about Jesus, man? And I go, dude, I'm a backslidden Mormon. I didn't use backslidden, but I'm like a Mormon. He'd full on preach the Billy Graham message. I got born again, literally on the spot. In a a pet cemetery? In a pet cemetery, (laughs) on LSD. His mom was a witch. She'd smoke, bring out the bong at breakfast, and that was my world. And all of a sudden, it was like... Pretty typical story is what it sounds like Pretty typical story. And uh, so, yeah, read a verse of Proverbs that night about wisdom calling on the streets, and anybody would embrace her would find life, and that's how I got born again. Wow, man. Praise God. That's crazy. So, all right, keep going. What happens next? Well, uh, I didn't know anything. I was a Mormon, right? So started going to uh, to seminary, if you will, like 5 a.m., where they disciple all the kids before school, and I realized what they were teaching wasn't what I'd experienced inside. Mm. So I went on a church hunt, found a church that was like literally on fire, Mm. got part of a youth movement. Um, and over the next couple of years, we led seven or 800 kids to Christ mm, in this wow. youth movement in about six or seven different high schools. Mm. And uh, so I got swept up into that, which was nothing but a party. It was just amazing. Mm. And then I was like, well, okay, I'm hooked on ministry. So I joined Youth with a Mission in Southeast Asia. And then I hiked through the jungles for the next 15 years with um, church planting ideas. And yeah. so it was great. Mm. So globally, things are beginning to shape you as well. Yeah. At that point, um, it took me a long time to figure out that um, I really loved leading people to Jesus. That was the thing. Mm. That was it. Just doing it. Just doing it because <laughs> I started going to church and yeah. and it was great. We had a great time, but I just loved people coming to Christ. So I started doing that globally and um, especially in Southeast Asia, especially with Muslims and uh with Buddhists in the, in the jungle of Southeast Asia. We'd sneak into Burma and Myanmar and mm-hmm. Cambodia and, and plant churches and stuff, and that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, started doing that, and then I got hooked up with some cru- crusade ministries. Mm-hmm. Started working with um, stadium events and you know crowds of anywhere from 80 to half a million wow. um, mm-hmm. in India and different places around the world, working with a lot of big names and... and um, Started seeing the professional side of ministry, if you will. Yeah. I worked for a number of TV ministries at that point, doing the same kind of stuff. It's kind of a small world in the organizational element of that. Mm. If you do it, everybody wants you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then I decided I wanted to pastor a church. So Buddy and I started a church on the West Coast, uh, and it blew up very quickly. And mm. uh, now it's you know 20,000 people. But we started it, and it grew thousands very quickly. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so been into churches and crusades and missions, always wanting to have um, people co- coming to Christ and experiencing Christ. Mm-hmm. That's always been my goal, but not always delivering that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So <laughs> I'm, I got the highlights before you got here. So yeah. um, so I'm, I, I've, heard, I've got to sit down with Jason a couple of times and hear some of this. Okay. And yeah. it is. Yeah. I, I remember the first time. Cause I, you know, I hung out with you. I think before you met some of the rest of these guys. Oh like, yeah, you were. I was like, you I were just, my first. I was like, I just met a crazy, <laughs> crazy dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like this dude is one of us. Is where, like, where did you guys meet? It, it was through KB. It was through KB. Yeah, we met was, in the um, where she works. 
Um, yeah, Freedom Fighters. Freedom Fighters. Yeah. When we first met uh, in a room there. Gotcha. And we just talked about crazy disciple making ideas. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, we hung out with House to House. But we'll, we'll get to we'll get to that yeah. later. So I've got to hear some of them. It's been a, it's been a minute. So this yeah. is fun. To, it's just yeah. Cool. So I mean, you've got like in the halls of Congress mm-hmm. prayer breakfast type stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, oh, yeah. We're all over it, like literally the globe at this point with your story. Legislators, I've worked with governments of other countries to do national events in Europe and Africa and South America. and Yeah. yeah. All right, so then you end up in St. Louis. End up in St. Louis and planting another church because that's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I plant another church. Like you do. But the whole time inside, I'm kind of like, um, I, I'm just afraid that I'm going to repeat everything that I've done. And now granted, on the outside, it would look like success. Mega churches, right. big events, stadiums, the whole thing. But inside, I'm a little bit like dying on the inside thinking because I, I, I'm starting to struggle and feel like it's a little bit phony. Mm-hmm. I'm just assembling crowds mm-hmm. and seeing people obeying scripture, massively in love with God, definitely missing out of the equation. Yeah. Well. It's more like dealing with worship leaders having affairs and mm-hmm. everyone's just falling apart. No one's obeying the scripture. No one's having fun. Mm-hmm. It's just... Church became work. Well, was there a moment that was, uh, I call it that second conversion moment. I might have been a bunch of them, but was there like, do you ever remember like one that was specific where you're like, I don't think I can do this anymore? Yeah, I, I, it was definitely where the church in St. Louis that I was getting, you know, going really well. It was at that point from a church planting point of view, it was getting ready to go big. Mm-hmm. Everything was gelling, but everything inside of me was like, I just... I want to be out. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And um, so I knew that if I kept pushing, it was going to become a nice big church. But all the staff, all the leaders, people, what they were going through, um, it just had left me cold. And mm-hmm. and then people's lives really started blowing up. So I, I came to a point where I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, maybe God's done with me. Um, maybe I'm just too old. Maybe I'm just generationally irrelevant. Um, and, um, I've always stayed connected with non-Christians. And so I always had a side hustle, mm-hmm. even though I'm planting churches. So I got involved in the, the, uh, like wine and kind of the higher end of that element mm-hmm. and had been licensed, uh, as a, as a wine person. And, um, so I was thinking maybe I'm just going to go sell wine in Europe. Maybe I'm going to retire from ministry and just go sell high-end wine in That's Europe and yeah, live, in, so. live in Burgundy. I've and heard worse ideas. Exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, so I was going to retire. I, was, I thought maybe God's just done with me, and I'm going to go out to pasture now and just kind of sail off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. Although, Ended up. I wish that was part of your story. Yeah. Like, yeah, and now I'm Bob here. Bob, you're selling wine in Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's days, believe me. Um, yeah. It's like when you when I was pastoring churches. I think I quit every other Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, who here hasn't Googled jobs for old pastors? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's with me? Exactly. I have not Googled. You've that. never Googled no. it. I may or may not. Every know, other Monday, weeks. I did see. Um, I did see a new company that emerged in Virginia that was like, uh, this is post-pandemic. They're marketing themselves as we will help you identify your skills as a pastor and figure out which like place in the marketplace you yeah. can transition. Because it's like it's a whole industry now. Uh, sadly, <laughs> it's not funny. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it got to the point where I was doing a 21-day fast because I was mm-hmm. just so despondent and yeah. kind of at the end of it all. 
And um, at the last day of this 21-day fast, apart from being just crazy hungry, um, got a phone call from a friend in Kansas City, and they're just like, you need to come to Kansas City. So my wife came over to Kansas City, talked to this person, and we really felt like there was a God factor thing mm-hmm. uh, to it. Mm-hmm. And so unbeknownst to us, because I have four adult children, um, my, um, my son-in-law comes to me, who you've met, yeah, yeah. and he says, hey, Pops, I haven't told my your daughter yet, my wife, but I got an opportunity to move to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were before I tell her that I think we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, I was just interviewing mm-hmm. for something in Kansas City two weeks ago. And um, so he's like, boom, does it. Then my next oldest son comes to me and says, got an opportunity to move to Kansas City. I'm going to do it. <laughs> now, we weren't talking about this because yeah, yeah. wow. we're a very close family, but we yeah. don't yeah. we're not in each other's businesses. Yeah. And then it went all four of my adult children felt like God was saying to come to Kansas City independently of each other. And they all actually moved here before we did. Wow, that's crazy. So we ended up coming here about four and a half years ago, just sensing that something new was going to happen and not really having a clue what that was. That's Mm. amazing. That is so good. All right, so you've done some things. Fast forward to uh, when we do these spotlight episodes, we also like to say, hey, these are just ordinary people. Now, (laughs) (laughs) most most of what you have shared – is not yeah, yeah. a normal, yeah. ordinary experience for most people. But you're in a place now where you're embracing the yeah. normal. I th- I, yeah. You like stepped in purposefully to yeah normalness. Yeah, yeah. actually, it was kind of refreshing because I've been a professional minister my whole life, really. And we stepped out of it officially, and I just took a job here in Kansas City, which it's been a lot of fun. And we did it all with the intention of just being missional. I've been a missionary my whole life, <clears throat> but yeah. never in this context. Right. So this is just like my next evolution in ministry. Yeah. I'm now a missionary. Yeah. So we just went fully into the missions idea and uh, developed relationships, and we've really been enjoying it. And um, that's kind of, I think, why we're here now is because my yeah, wife yeah. and I have a rhythm. Yeah. Uh, again, not necessarily usual. My wife loves cigars. And so she got not, me a not not ordinary. I'm, I'm just yeah. wondering how many men are <laughs> jealous. Yeah. Well, of check that it out. So the, here's my wife makes me like I take all the, the the clothes I was wearing outside and I take the shower and brush my teeth three times before I'm allowed to go to bed. So, <laughs> so, so she likes uh, she likes our little thing. And just being honest with you, she likes a gin and tonic and a cigar. Mm-hmm. I like a little bit of scotch and a cigar. So she got me a locker at Outlaw, one of those big vaults, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we've loaded it up with cigars, and so we go at, at least once a week. And we've developed a whole bunch of friends over there. So Outlaw being local cigar shop, in yep. case anyone doesn't know. A lot of yeah. cool kingdom activities happened yes. out yeah. of Outlaw. So, yeah, right on. So we go there, and um, about six weeks ago we were there, and we are just doing our thing, watching some games and enjoying our nice cigars and um, talking to some of the locals that we know that we've developed relationships with. And a couple mm-hmm. of guys overhear us. And they ask us a couple of questions about cigars. Really nice, young, probably like 30, 29, 30. Mm-hmm. And so we just start talking. And um, at some point in the conversation, one of the uh, – we'll just refer to these guys as the dads. The dads. Because they, um, their, their backstories are crazy. And, uh, but we're just talking and talking cigars and life. And 
this one guy throws out like a little almost biblical axiom. Like he throws out this little mm-hmm. thing like, you know, maybe prayer or meditation is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And my wife just pounces. Yeah. <laughs> she just, you know. And at this point, I poured them a scotch and gave them a cigar. And we were already like best friends. Blessing them. Exactly. Yeah. So my wife just pounces. And she goes, okay, that's an interesting thought. Tell me more about what you think about prayer or meditation. Yeah. And we just start going down the rabbit hole. Um, And it ends up being a four hour conversation Mm. um, where uh, it's, I mean, just exciting. Mm. Just it. I mean, for us and for them, it's palpable. So it's they're closing the cigar shop. So it's like, hey, here's my number. Hey, here's my number. Should we do this again? Is, you know, Tuesday nights good for you guys? Because that's why we're here. And they're like, yeah. So the next Tuesday night we come back and we get just it's all God all the time. Wow. And, um, and so then one of the young guys, one of the, one of the guys is going through a real hardship in his life. It's kind of falling apart. The other one is, uh, in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so big backstories, I mean, just real sweethearts. Mm. Uh, and the one that's going through some recovery just says, Hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? And he just goes into all of his angst about God mm-hmm. and the bitterness he has mm-hmm. in his heart. So we just spend the next two hours processing through yeah. his hurt. Uh, and I just end up basically, at that point, put my arm around him and tell him how much God loves him. And mm-hmm. and he just goes, well, he goes, if God's really that kind of father, I just need to give my life to him, I guess. That's what I need to do. Wow. And, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, so let's just meet again. Yeah. Let's just keep doing this. So we do that yeah. for a month. And then the fourth week... Um, the dads are just coming alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they say, hey, let's not do it here. Let's, can you go back to my house, our house in South KC? And uh, we have some other friends that we think would like to hear some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why, yes, of course. <laughs> I'll show up I'm with pizza. Glad you said something. Exactly. So wow. we show up, uh, you know, so week five now, we show up at their house and there are two other couples. Um, nobody's a Christian and another single guy. Um, so there's a house full of people and it's pleasantries and niceties and I bring pizza and we're eating and there's kids running around Mm -hmm. and we just start getting into everyone's backstories and it's unbelievable. I mean, stories of addiction and just pain and divorces and you name it, just a lot of pain. So we just start doing the same thing all over again Mm. and everybody's just drinking in Jesus. Yeah. And um so we've officially started this little uh discovery bible study down there in South KC and, and in fact we're doing it again tonight mm-hmm. and people just keep showing up. Wow. And um so and we're still doing the cigars at the at the cigar shop. We're now that's like my leadership meeting. Yeah. For what's yeah. for what's going on in the house. Yeah. Amen. Where man. I'm coaching them on how to coach yeah. these families because yeah. I don't have the bandwidth. Yeah for some of the needs that these folks have. Totally. And so we're doing our leadership meeting. Yeah. Um, do, they, do they see it as that too? They see it as they're being coached. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they kind of get the idea of yeah. what like a, like a, a DMM is. And they kind of like the idea of being a much greater purpose than just attending totally. mm-hmm. a service. So no, they've yeah. bought into the idea that God wants to use me mm-hmm. as well as bless me. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, we're doing cigars and scotch and leadership. And uh, the guy that um, gave his heart to the Lord about a month earlier, 
just looks at me and he goes, I need to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And I go straight into, well, we could, that's fantastic. Let's, let's ar- arrange something. And he goes, no, I, I, like I need to do it like tonight. <laughs> There's some water. Why should I not? Exactly. <laughs> and I even and tra- he initiated that. He at full, oh uh, yeah. Just no, fully, out of what? Like, out of the blue. Re- well, out of the blue. So and um, in fact, like he and my wife were talking and they had their own conversation. And me and the other guy had our own conversation going. And I thought they were talking Audis and cars. And so we're talking. We, we over left here. that part out. Like yeah. the, the normal job you have yeah. is Audi salesman in Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. Well, number one Audi salesman in Kansas Anyway. So. They're, I, so I thought they were talking cars and we're talking some theology stuff over here, you know, whatever. And so then he just interrupts and he goes, I, I think I should get baptized. And I, I push back a little bit, like, let's organize because he has like a nine year old daughter um, from a relationship. And so I'm like, well, we should get your daughter involved and it'd be nice for her. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I really feel like God's I, I need to do this right now. Yeah. And I look at my watch and it's nine o'clock at night. So I'm thinking I'm going to text like Rob or Brian from the underground and say, do, do, do you is know anybody? A, a pool or yeah. something? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. wicked cold though, but yeah. I'm just like, and, uh, and so where we do this, uh, the, the Bible study down in South KC, there's a little local church, like literally like 300 yards from this guy's house. It's a tiny little like trailer kind of church, real small. And he goes, let me make a call because I occasionally go to Sundays over there, you know, uh, when I'm, I got nothing to do. So he calls this random pastor at like 915 at night. And he answers the phone. So we start talking to him saying, hey, could you turn on your baptismal font and can we come over and do a real like a drive by baptism here <laughs> at like 10 o'clock tonight? And he gets really excited because they haven't had a baptism of an actual convert. In I was going to say he's telling that story. Yeah, no, the next he is. Sunday, I guarantee he you. is. Yeah. So he's like, "Let's do it." Wow. So we yeah, this planned. Is like, to, this it had been a while, right? Since yeah. they had seen anyone baptized. Absolutely. Yeah. Older generation, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we show up wow. at ten o'clock at night. Now the entire eldership has shown up, and they're <clears throat> all in their seventies plus. Sweethearts, real sweet. This is amazing. Yeah. I love this story. And the baptismal's on, um, and we walk in. And now, granted, in the back of my mind, my kind of pastoral PC thing is really going off here because we smell like cigars and reek of scotch. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my leadership meeting, right? (laughs) So how special is that? Yeah. So I'm I'm in the back of my mind thinking, so I'm going to just downplay this a little bit. And one of the elders pulls me aside and he goes, so who are you? And I go, oh, I'm Jason. And I've been hanging out with these guys for about a month or five weeks. And he goes, so how did you do this? Because hmm. he's kind of intuitive and he's yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. and I go, well, we've just been sharing life together. And I've been answering questions instead of making statements to mm-hmm. these guys. Mm-hmm. I've just been letting them guide the conversation, let them pour their hearts out. And I'm just kind of slowly introducing them to Christ and not mm-hmm. giving them a bunch of answers or doctrine or yeah. I'm just pointing them to somebody yeah. who can help them. Yeah. And he was like, you could tell that there was tears yeah. Yeah. in his yeah. eyes. Yeah. Like he was yeah. just like, oh, this is refreshing. Yeah. He's so, probably also going, yeah, but but how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah. you can probably smell. <laughs> yeah. It's a fragrant offering. He of just leaned in. A lovely. <laughs> put his head to your chest. A lovely Padron and McAllen are always a good way to spend a night. Um, That's right. So we, we do. We just go up and we do a baptism. I filmed it. It's on my phone. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And uh, they want to sing a song. Uh, so we sing a song. We pray over them. 
and um, it's just a, a moment for everybody. And they start yeah. testifying like, this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. We just, oh my goodness. And mm -hmm. so um, spontaneous baptisms at 10 o'clock at night after leadership meetings. So it's fun to baptize leadership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what kind of nuggets you got there, brother? <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm making a list in my mind and I don't want to like, yeah. like we could, I mean, we could each say, okay, what's a nugget that we pull out um, but I don't want to cut the story short. No, no the, uh, the thing is is when we were leaving to go do the baptism we're going to our cars and um, so this guy comes out following me a real young guy probably again 20 late 20s early 30s and he goes can I interrupt you and I'm like sure and he goes I've been listening to your conversation mm. and sorry and he goes but you guys were talking pretty free and loud so mm -hmm. uh, he goes can I ask you a question and I'm like sure and he goes um, I'm in the military, I'm in service in the Middle East, and I'm home on leave, but God's been telling me something completely different is coming into my path. My dad was a pastor, I'm disenfranchised, I just, I'm, I'm tired of just attending something, and God's been telling me to be on the lookout for something, and I'm hearing you talk about this, and you're going to go do a baptism. He's mm -hmm. like, can we meet? And I go, of course we can. So we meet at Black Dog Coffee mm. over here um, on this side of the city, and he just pours his heart out. He's trying to figure out a way to get the principles of what we were doing at Outlaw yeah. into the military that he's serving in the Middle East because wow. he has a bunch of Muslim friends that he's developed while living in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, just fantastic stuff. And um, so it's just fun, the knock-on effect yeah. of just having conversations in public, um, both personal and just it, it's contagious. We've had three or four of those now that are offshoots and knock-ons from the discipleship at Outlaw. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, remind me, was there, did you do the baptism or did you make it? I, so the the guy, the... Because I thought that was an important part. Yeah, you didn't, you I didn't, didn't do, do the yourself. baptism. No, yeah. so yeah. Um, one of the dads, the two dads, who's a little further along in the journey, um, life falling apart, but he has enough underpinnings from his childhood to yeah. kind of have a few dots connected. Yeah. Um, and he's been the one really helping dad number one in recovery mm -hmm. um and he's a year sober he's taken him in so his family now lives in his house um i had him do the baptism because yeah. he's been fundamentally without realizing it being the influencer mm -hmm. for dad number one so i had him do the baptism to kind of cement that relationship mm -hmm. in that kind of discipleship mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. mode yeah Man. Which was crazy because he was freaking out. I go, you're going to do the baptism. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. well, we should probably have this pastor do it. I go, no, this pastor doesn't. No, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> did you give him like a real fast tutorial? I did. Yeah, that's I did. What, that's I what said, we've done in the past. I was Don't like, hold him under too long. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And those dad jokes did come up. And I'm like, you know, you just need to take a step of faith. And yeah. you've been the one kind of in your own way leading this thing and we just happened to hook up so you need to do this baptism and mm. he just was like almost in tears it was a very special moment oh, that's so cool yeah oh, i love that well Corey, you mentioned just pulling out some of the little nuggets that i guess will turn into episodes now but these are these are like three <laughs> things that popped out yeah. to me uh little lines that you've made like god wants to use me not just bless me mm -hmm. like i i think until people own mm. that they won't go make disciples because the yeah you know stuck in a paradigm of like all right I need to work on me. I need to get me straight, which is in essence like I need you to give me these things. I need to, you know, versus like, no, I have a purpose. I should go step into that. 
um, immediate obedience multiple times, like through that story, especially the baptism piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then just that line of like, they were allowed to lead before their conversion, you know, yeah. or, or before baptism or when things aren't perfect and yeah. nice and clean and put together. It's like you're already leading and then you realized another step of obedience, mm-hmm. which is why it's, I think it's always helpful to go back to that re, um, reframe reframing yeah i was like i was like reframation that's not a word Um, (laughs) it is now yeah there's a book actually but um reframing around you know discipleship or disciple making or following jesus is about moving from unbelief to belief in every area of life so Mm -hmm. they were already being surrendered in some areas and had other areas and in our paradigm we might have said that that last area should have happened first but you allowed it to like you know, right. it'll happen when it happens. Like that's not that, that I'm not going to control the movement of that piece. So, mm-hmm. and that was the beautiful part of it because, like, they're both dads. So we we've nicknamed them the dads. Yeah. So they already lead. Yeah. And and it's a normal behavior in their life. That's yeah. Right. When we go do the the uh, th- um, the DMM at their house, you know, they're they got dad voices. They're yeah. telling their kids, you know, hey, get off the furniture. Like, yeah, yeah. they already lead. <laughs> yeah. And right. Jesus doesn't want to take us out of those contexts. Right. He just wants to use us where we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, so many things that, that strike me. I mean, the, even your the leadership process that you're talking about is it, he, there is immediate leadership, but you're, you're, you're with them. You mm-hmm. know, like there's – so people sometimes freak out about that idea is because they start to quote scriptures about – elders need to be this or that. I'm like, well, I'm not saying he's an elder. Yeah. Hey, I've had a whole <laughs> bunch of elders boards and they weren't all that either. Yeah, so. I was going to say, exactly. But, you know, I, we get that pushback a lot. And yeah. it's like, well, with leadership actually, I mean, Jesus invited his disciples in leadership in day one. Yeah. I mean, they were immediately called to, uh, now you're going to go make fishers of men, right? That, that, was, that was part of the original call to follow me. And they, and they walked with him in it. And he let them go and make some mistakes. And, you know, and like was, and I, I feel like that's, when we talk about leadership development, it's not a program. Right. And it's not like, okay, once you hit this, you can do this. It's walking alongside them, giving them a little bit more, um, you know, and it's like, and it's a releasing. Yeah. And so I feel like that's, I mean, modeled that in a pretty cool way. I think that God can do more in our lives. Like, I think He leads us with sugar instead of a stick. And so when I play golf, if I can hit one or two great shots in a round, I'm coming back. (laughs) And then if it's the last one. Exactly. (laughs) So a lot of times I think most Christians have just never experienced a win in their life. Mm -hmm. And if I can get these, if I get the dads hooked on having wins from day one and be a part of that process to see wins, not only in their life and in other people's lives, they're already getting hooked on seeing the win in other people's lives because they know that if they're given, they're getting. And so that was like very intentional on my part. Where it was like, okay, let's do this at the house, but we're going to do this at, at underground. I mean, mm-hmm. at underground. Well, underground. Yeah. Yeah, underground sure. at Outlaw. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and it's it's hooked them, and they, they yeah. love it because they're 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 actually leading people. And I explained leadership like this. I just said, look, leadership's like this. Just find somebody that's just a bit more jacked up than you, and extend your hand. <laughs> that's and they they were like, nugget, right? and they were like, okay, we can do that. And I'm like, let's yeah. do that then. Yeah. Yeah, oh, forget man. those twenty-one laws of leadership or whatever. <laughs> yeah, irrefutable yeah. laws. Yeah, yeah. You just need to get Jason Gardner. Just, yeah. Leadership is being less <laughs> jacked up than one person behind yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and extending your hand. Yeah. Uh, another thing I really liked is just the idea of these these gospel conversations. So we talk about that concept a lot. We we really try to train towards people having 
um, conversations like what you described you and your wife having. Um, and I, I just love the idea of your wife being at Outlaw. I don't think I've ever seen a woman there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's and she amazing. buys me lockers and cigars. She's awesome. But yeah. I bet you she has kind of a motherly type of role there, right? I mean, I, I bet they... I'm assuming they kind of listen to her like there's having, I mean, I'm just putting myself in that situation. Having met your wife before, I was like, I would totally hang out and chat with her. Yeah. She definitely has a very compassionate heart, but she's definitely Australian. So she's, she's very direct. Oh yeah. They they definitely play prison rules. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) she'll, uh, like the the humor and the sarcasm are plentiful. Yeah. Yeah. So at Outlaw. Mothers when I say motherly. Yeah. yeah. She's, she can be the toast of Outlaw. Cause she's, I mean, she's just hanging with the boys. In fact, she really likes hanging out with the guys cause she can just, be like that yeah, yeah, and yeah. um so she really enjoys that part well, of and, and just the, the the modeling of a gospel conversation that we're talking about is like you're you're sharing life you're being intentional and when something comes up pounce on it yeah, yeah. but pouncing on it in a loving way tell me more yeah. about that yeah. it wasn't okay now let me tell you everything about what you just said okay I mean, again, so it's questions like my extrovertedness is learned mm-hmm. if i could just you know have a good scotch and a book and be on the beach in hawaii yeah come i would i could live there every day my wife is conversational. Mm. And so when she pounced, I, I knew what was going on. As soon as they did that, and she goes, well, let me ask you. I was like, oh, here we go. We're going. <laughs> and inside of me, there's kind of almost a pushback. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm just like, oh. I'm tired. I don't know if I want to engage this Exactly. Yeah, and or, yeah. honey, just slow down. Just, mm. you know, all the weirdness in me yeah, starts yeah. going off like this yeah. is going to go sideways and I, I, it was a great padrone and a good macallan yeah. and it was a good mm-hmm. night and i was thinking this is going to end up in a squirrely place and but my wife never lets those moments go she's like kind of like a mother hen she'll yeah. zoom in on the tell me more yeah why do you feel like that and she'll start asking questions and she she opened up the can not me wow yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. i just happened at that point to like go into pastor mode as soon as they started pouring out some heart issues that's where she kind of taps out Mm. she got it going and then she sat back and worked her cigar and i tapped in Mm -hmm. as you know trained pastor (laughs) (laughs) right and uh, so it was like tag team yeah Yeah. wow so good i mean i got more if we want to keep it we're we're pushing 35 minutes here on this um like i I don't know i don't want to paint this as good versus bad Mm -hmm. but i remember a while back, we were hanging with David Brudrick um, on this podcast from South Africa, and he kind of gave this picture of, uh, you know, these these events, these large evangelism mm-hmm. events, and uh, in which you were in that world for a, a, a bit. At the top level. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard, heard some stories from it, you know, and so... And he would he would describe it as like if you're looking at a graph, you know, it's like that like steep incline mm-hmm. um, on the front end, mm-hmm. and then on the back end, like a total mm-hmm. drop off. Um, and that was because he kind of came. I think he came from some of that also. And then he described movements as kind of the opposite, mm-hmm. where it's like this low, steady, almost flat line for a long time, and then boom, kind of a steep incline. Um, and I'm so I, I don't want to paint it as good versus bad, but you've lived now really in both of those worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to just hear your thoughts, you know, like this is a different approach. Mm-hmm. You're hanging out with some people in a cigar shop uh, and talking about a couple baptisms, pouring into the few that can multiply and reach the many. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd just love to hear the Jason Gardner thoughts on the those two realities. Well, I think the, the reality I'm in right now is really one of it's a personal response. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is God been talking to me. Mm-hmm. 
And this is Jason Gardner's response to the Great Commission because I, when I was doing um, crusades or pastoring churches, it was almost phony because I could stand on a stage and kind of let myself off the hook by giving an altar call. And, you know, on certain nights in India, we'd have two, three hundred thousand people coming to Christ, Mm. plant like a hundred churches in one night. Um, And you kind of let yourself off the hook. Interesting. Because I didn't have to use any personal Mm. moxie, any character, any actual space, no margins created in my Mm. life to leave room to serve God on a personal level. Mm. It's all it's all like we we scheduled revival at 7 (laughs) p.m. You know, so one is like Brian Johnson. uh, One of them was machinery and one of them is a personal, Mm. intimate, loving response. So when I was in the big event world, um, it's very seducing. Because yeah. we did events, and, and like Louise Bush in 82,000 did a lot of research and found some unbelievable, like uh, in Fortaleza, Brazil, we were involved with one. Global press showed up at the revival. Hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ. They documented 800 churches started in one week as a result. Uh, they tracked those churches. It was a legitimate revival yeah. that we mm-hmm. were part of starting and, and, and running. But that was a God issue and it had nothing to do with any of the stuff that we had really done. It, right. it was kind of like, you just have to sit back and say, we didn't do that. Now for the other like 400 that I did, that didn't turn out like yeah. that, mm. the, the drop off on the discipleship side of it is scary because mm. there's no life involved in these events. I mean, you, you show up to a stadium with a hundred thousand people you don't know. It's kind of strange. You walk down to an altar. A lot of that is staged because you know, we always train people in all the different sections of the audience to walk yeah. down. So the ushers and the counselors walk down to initiate that oh, yeah. flow. I've, so there's I've manipulation been a, been involved in the process. Yeah. Right. So, and so we would do all this manipulation to get people mm. to come down and yeah. you take them to the back. And so when you try to do the handoff and I've done literally over 500 crusades globally, um, the handoff between what happens in that arena and somebody might be having a legitimate experience. Right, totally. But the handoff, I mean, I we'd go back and do the homework and the research and we just couldn't find. Yeah. I mean, like I was just in Dodge City recently where I did an event in like the late 90s and um, it was uh, doing another thing out in... Um, Dodge just like maybe two years ago and I got there and I met like all these pastors for this event we were doing a prayer thing and uh, it came up this thing that I did in Dodge City like 20 some years ago and it came up and I go um I did that Hmm. and they're like you're Jason I'm like yeah I know I got fat but yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, and we had this connection so they started telling me individual stories about their kids coming to Christ as a result of this event. And mm. it, a lot of it was very, um, the, the fruit that I've found over the years were very much like family driven fruit, but it's mm. just so hard to find it and quantify yeah. it and track it. Totally. Yeah. So I, I've learned yeah. that it was easy to manufacture on a personal level, these things and kind of say, okay, I, I'm, I'm an evangelist. I've led mm. millions of people. I did that thing. I did yeah. that thing. But God took me to a place where I want you to do it yeah. in your own personal space, create margin for me to move, and then stay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's, the, that's where the ordinary conversation, I think, comes in. Because yeah. most of us w- cannot relate to the guy with the, the, the talent or the skill set or the charisma that you, I mean, that you really do have uh, 
we have a hard time relating to that. I can't put on a big event by that personal obedience, that personal calling. Mm -hmm. And it's, it it is also incredibly addictive. I mean, what you're talking about, like what you're describing with the dads Mm -hmm. and what 70 year olds at this church are seeing. It's like tears in their eyes. It is like, Oh, this is, uh, this is a drug that I want more of. I mean, it really, truly is. And it's in the ordinary spaces. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how, sad I feel about what I did a lot of my life with because um, the stress and the game and the fundraising and the politics of these events, getting them to happen and the, the amount of energy that goes into it. You know, we would, I, I did an event up in the northern part of the states in the Midwest here for a major ministry and it was a $5 million event at the Metrodome mm. in Minneapolis. Um, and we had like DC talk back in the day and we had, you know, we had, you know, big, big names. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the event was so stressed. One of our, um, advanced coordinators had a nervous breakdown mm. on the inside. Um, and quantifying the fruit post, uh, you just can't. Yeah. yeah. And so compared that where you don't sleep at night, you're living on airplanes, mm. you're making promises you can't deliver, you're selling. I felt like, I mean, I sell Audis today and I feel not guilty at all about selling an Audi. I would have to deal with guilt because I'm selling these events and I'm selling a promise and hope to local churches who aren't leading people to Jesus. And I'm coming in as the solution. That's the sell and saying, give your money by the millions because people are going to come to Jesus. It's to me, it's interesting. I look back on it and I feel dirty. Because yeah. it, it, it doesn't even answer the question, but it gives like a false hope that if the churches just sign on to this, it's going to take care of what they're missing in the dynamic of yeah. their their tra- tra- traditional church model. Yeah. And we're going to fake it and make it to an event, and then it's going to go back to the same. Yeah. And that's what I found hundreds on every continent, hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm. If that makes wow. sense. It does make sense. and. And I, you know, someone who's a who was a pastor who had a similar event come in a couple of times where, and I had some pushback just from my, uh, I, you know, I'm a little bit younger and I've I've just gone the tail end of some of the more I never really saw that as an effective strategy, so I always had a little bit of a pushback. And I was a generation that saw a lot of friends, you know, go and accept Jesus and then not change at all and right. disconnect and, um, but like there. I understand the heartbeat of the churches that want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. They, they hear it. They want this evangelistic, like they, they long for it. They want to see it. They just don't know any different. It's, and that's the paradigm. So it's like, I have, I want to like have compassion and love for churches that mean, but at the same time, I'm what you're describing is well, very it's, real. It's so funny because yeah. when God addressed Moses, you know, he said, Hey Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses just saw it as a staff and probably Moses mm-hmm. carved it himself, typically culturally would have had his genealogy on it. So when God said to Moses, hey, Moses, you're a shepherd. What's in your hand? Moses couldn't recognize because he's so close to it. It's his staff. He made it. Hmm. It's just a staff. And he couldn't see from God's perspective what if he put a blessing on that staff, what that could be used to do for the kingdom. Hmm. And I think that's a lot of the problem with the systems that we've created in our churches hmm. is we're so close to the system of church, we can't see what's in our hand. Hmm. Because if ordinary people could just make the shift and see themselves from God's perspective, they're all missionaries. They all have friends and family and work associates and neighborhoods that with just a little retooling, they could become so effective 
like what that staff ended up becoming, mm, wow. we could be that in the hand of God. And it, it's already there. It's latent. Yeah. It's in the church. Yeah. So I'm not critical. I love, love the church. Mm. But it's like we don't see the potential of this army that we have yeah. because we're still focusing on the system instead of empowering them to be utilized, mm. if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. It does, man. And God's doing a new thing, and we're all figuring out how to do this together. Yeah, he's and doing it. DC Talk reference number two, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Come and, on. I mean, it's, it's good stuff, and, and it's fun to figure out how to do this all together and um, running with church leaders in the city who have a heart mm-hmm. for this stuff, and, and but ha- maybe are in that paradigm. I mean, just like it's God is up to some new things, and yeah. so it's fun to hear this story. Uh, on so many levels, dude. And I, uh, Brian wouldn't tell me any of the, like, I got here a little late. You guys were chatting and I didn't get to hear all of this. So it's like, this was new to me for the most part. So praise the Lord, man. I, and I want to hear more. I feel like there's uh, this is just the beginning of yeah what's yeah. going to break out on that. So praise God. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us, Jason. And you know, I, this is one of those, we talked beforehand. We're like, it's always going to be careful about the storytelling because of the whole, like, sometimes they just fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're praying that this yeah. doesn't. But I, I'd love to celebrate like six more months, like there's mm-hmm. eight house churches now because of the obedience of these guys and the you know right. or yeah. or just like they're just walking with Jesus still and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be some massive no, movement right? to celebrate and uh, so both of those. Yeah, because what we're celebrating is just the relationship. We yeah, are yeah. really enjoying our time with the dads. Yeah, celebrate the little things. Celebrate that the should be a things. nugget. Immediate obedience and decide. Uh, yeah. So many good things. These nuggets. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.